Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love. I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer, and uh, we have a listener question today. And J.D., you know, this whole podcast is about answering really tough questions that that people are asking and, and Christians are asking. And I think this is a really good one. We've received this question a few times, most recently by one of our listeners named James. And J.D., the question is, is it okay for Christians to use IVF? James, that's a, a great question. I think a very a very relevant question uh, that a lot of people have. And I do wanna be sensitive here because I know that there are probably people listening right now. Um, and I would suspect people in our church, I certainly know of people um, in the past at our church that have asked this, um, people that have used IVF, which stands for in vitro fertilization in order to conceive a child. I know that this is an incredibly emotional decision to make. Um, most of the time, that decision has been preceded by um, a very emotional journey of trying to conceive and and just not being able to, feeling like God wants you to have a a child with your spouse and and not being able to um, to get pregnant. Um, there are others who might be listening who you actually were conceived uh, via IVF, and I'll I'll address that here later on as well. So I'll just start here. Um, I see a potential problem that IVF can bring about that runs contrary to a biblical perspective on, on life, namely that life begins at conception and that all human life at whatever stage is sacred. Uh, if you're not familiar with the processes of IVF, um, IVF basically takes um, uses a, this process where a female egg is fertilized with the male counterpart, shall we say, and the fertilization, or we would say conception, that happens outside of the womb and then the successfully conceived embryo, which is now a human being, is placed back into the womb. Now, many times the procedure is carried out um, in a way where they take multiple eggs because they're trying to, you know, make the process as efficient as possible. And so because sometimes um, an implanted embryo won't, won't actually develop into a child or there'll be a miscarriage, they'll, they'll actually do a dozen, sometimes 20 um, at one time. And um, then they'll just try them, you know, one, two, three at a time. And um, the ones that they don't use, if you get pregnant on one of the, the earlier ones, then they either freeze those additional embryos or um, in some places they'll actually just um, discard them, uh, throw them away. And that's where, where we find an ethical problem because if life does begin at conception, then we're dealing with human beings now made in the image of God. And that means we're creating a number of individual people in the image of God who have a soul. Um, and we create them with the knowledge that we're likely going to be destroying a number of them intentionally. Um, and we're willing to do so if that's, if that's, if that's what comes. Um, listen, I don't, I don't claim by any means to have the last word on this ever-changing world of reproductive technologies. In fact, I would I would, I would, you know, right here at the beginning, I would refer our listeners to the work of somebody by the name of Jennifer Law, the work of the of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network, where she leads, that actually raises a lot of, of these questions and helps you think through them biblically, and they, they stay up on the trends. But I do want to say as clearly as I can that the idea that we would create babies, even small ones, you know, in, in, in embryonic form as a, a fertilized egg, and intentionally discard them, that is that runs entirely contrary to a true pro-life position. I do want to point out, though, that while that is agreed on generally by evangelical theologians, there are some trusted evangelical theologians that have injected some nuance into this discussion that I think we ought to be aware of. Um, for example, 
Uh, Wayne Grudem, who is a, a very influential evangelical theologian, has a he's a very trusted voice and has been a, a consistent, um, consistently reliable voice in these kinds of things for years. Um, in an article at the Gospel Coalition, he, he is, is an article called "How IVF Can Be Morally Right." Not not that it always is morally right, but how it can be morally right. Uh, I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. Um, it's well-researched and helpful if you're considering this. Um, what he concludes, and I'll just sort of give you the punchline here. He, he concludes that IVF is a morally good action in some circumstances. He says, and I quote, if IVF is used by a married couple and if care is taken to prevent the intentional destruction of embryos, then it is a morally good action that pleases God because it violates no scriptural guidelines achieves the moral good of overcoming infertility and brings the blessing of children to yet another family. Um, Dr. Grudem also says, he says, choosing to fertilize only one egg or two at a time and implementing bees with the hope that they will survive is far different than the common practice of IVF where several eggs, like I said, a dozen or 20 are fertilized and then most are intentionally destroyed. In that case, he says, there is a willful, intentional destruction of human lives, which we would say is unethical because it violates the commandment, thou shalt not murder. Now, I mean, a few things I want to point out there just as we, as we close this. Um, one of the reasons that people are hesitant to do it the way that Gr- Dr. Grudem is, is putting out there is because it, it can get very expensive. The reason they, they like to do 20 eggs at a time is because it's just much more cost effective. But if we are Christians committed to life and we think that this is something we want to try, then we have to do it in a way that preserves life. Um, and I just I, I recognize that that this type of suggestion for a family that's listening, that's you're like, I'm not even sure we could afford that. And I realize that's a, a heavy burden. On one side, you've got this, this God-given healthy desire to start a family. But on the other side, you want to preserve life. And so, yes, if there's some inconvenience and some cost, if you can afford it or find a way to, to do it, to be able to do it in a way that um, takes advantage of the technology but doesn't um, intentionally or carelessly um, discard lives that are, are precious to God, I think— um, you're doing it in a way that honors God. And let me also say this. If you are a married couple who is considering this, um, I would encourage you to, to make sure you're thinking about all the different options you would have in starting a family besides just this one. Uh, I know that not being able to conceive is incredibly painful, but there's an incredible beauty in adoption, and there's such a need for it. Um, there's so many kids that need the kind of homes that you could provide, and it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel. A lot of times people think that adoption is some kind of second alternative way of having kids, but um, there's a lot of families in our church that look at this almost like it's plan A. Um, it's just a, a way there's such a need, and it's such a beautiful expression of the gospel that um, realize that God may be leading you to that. And uh, I would encourage you to consider it because it'll be a blessing to your family um, and also obviously be a blessing to the child that you adopt. There are also Christian leaders who've begun to advocate for the adoption of unused frozen IVF embryos that are out there in some of these you know, freezers so that these embryos can have a chance at life. Sometimes you may hear these referred to as snowflake babies because they're basically frozen embryos. And um, I know of some families that are very committed to life and say, well, that's where we're going to start. That's where we're going to adopt because these are our babies made in the image of God. And you know, lastly, let me just say that, that if you've already used IVF, if you have a child through that, let me just speak as a pastor for a minute and let you know that the the goal, my goal in answering this question is not to heap shame on you. God is sovereign and he used that procedure to bring about life. That doesn't license everything that we do, but it does recognize that, that there was a sovereignty of God and we rejoice. And as you wrestle through the rightness or wrongness of certain decisions, you can, can always rejoice in the child that God gave you, even as you 
you say, you know, maybe there's some things I wish I'd have thought through and some some things I'd have considered that that I didn't know at the time. And hey, maybe you're listening right now and you were conceived through IVF and, and you're you're saying, wait a minute, was I a mistake? Was I you know, conceived through an immoral means. You know, one of the beauties of God's sovereignty is that he creates some of his best work through the mess sometimes of our choices. I mean, think about the cross. There was so much chaos, so much mess, but out of that, God brought our salvation. He brought the resurrection, the most beautiful thing in history. Less important than how you were conceived is whose image you are made in and what his plans are for you. We all look back and realize there was a, a lot of chaos that led to any of us where we are. Um, but God is sovereign in it. Your life is precious. And God has a plan for you. You are not an accident. God knit you together in the womb, just like he did any of us. That's what Psalm 39 promises all of us. And, 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 and that God, that loving Father God, has a plan for you. All right. Thank you so much, J.D., again. I mean, these are just questions that people are asking as they're processing really difficult situations. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of this, right, is, is balancing practical and, and spiritual and trying to understand what does this look like for people. So, J.D., appreciate your wisdom there. We're really glad to, to be able to answer that question for those of you that were asking. Um, and we're excited next week we're going to answer another tough one. J.D., the question next week is going to be, why does the Bible say women must be silent in the church? So go ahead and gear up for that one. And then if you enjoy this podcast, we would really love it if you would follow us on social media. And it's just a great way to get more from Pastor J.D. You can also always go to jdgreer.com, as always, for more resources. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.